Isaiah chapter 54. Just as you're standing with me, just real quick, Isaiah chapter 54. And as you're turning there, how many of you are thankful for the tabernacle of praise this morning? We serve in a great region. We serve in a, a, a powerful ministry. We need to continue to pray for our missions team that as they're in Honduras, I was reading this week, it just kind of came up on Facebook, that one of the most, the most dangerous areas in the whole world is San Pedro, Honduras. <laughs> right there where our missions team's at. The most dangerous place in the whole world is where our missions team's at. But Bishop says that every single week that in our region, we're going to make it hard for people to go to hell. Come on now. We're going to make it hard for people to go to hell in our region. And having know what we do in this region, we're going to do in the uttermost parts of the world. And we're going to make it hard for people to go to hell in Honduras. Come on now. We were speaking to the life group this week. And, and yes, we said that we need to keep a hedge of protection around them. And we need to pray and rebuke the enemy off their life. But can I tell you something? God's already got a hedge around them. There's such an anointing on them that, yes, we can continue to pray. But you know what? Sometimes we give so much glory to the enemy. But I want to pray what God is going to release in that place this week. That we give more praise and more honor in that region of what God is going to release. Having know he's already went ahead of them preparing what he's already going to do. You can't tell me that's not true because he's already given the church a hospital there worth $4.2 million. Come on now. He's already went ahead of them setting a standard. He's already giving five acres to the ministry because God has went ahead. So he's preparing the heart for what God is going to do in that area and reaping the harvest. Amen? Amen. So keep them in prayer this week that God is going to pour out a blessing and that the missions team in Honduras will never, ever be the same again. Amen? Amen. Isaiah chapter 54, we have to give honor to where honors do. We have First Lady Renee in the house, and it's such a privilege to be hooked into her and Bishop's uh, vision of this house and in this region. And we have got to honor them because the Bible says give double honor where honor is due. And how you know, we have the greatest pastors in the whole world. Give your hand. Come on, clap your hands this morning. Amen. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1. He says, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing, and cry aloud that thou didst not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife. Saith the Lord, enlarge the place of thy tent. I want to go back to that. He says, For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife. And he says, saith the Lord, enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations and spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left hand. And thy seed, somebody shall seed. Thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. I want you to go to verse 17 with me. And he says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall be able to prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. And this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and the righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. I want to preach a little bit more to you this morning called breaking the yoke of limitation. 
Somebody shout, break the limitation. Come on, say it with me again one more time. Break the limitation. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, God. We thank you, God, for this service. God, we thank you, God, for the anointing. We thank you for your word because, God, it is your word, God, that the Bible says, God, the, that the, the flower fades and the, and, the, and the grass withers. But, God, surely the word of the Lord shall stand forever. And, Father, God, we thank you for your word, God, that, God, it says that the word will stand forever. So, Father, we thank you, God, and we ask you, God, for the word to stand up in our lives this morning, God. God, John said it like this, that, God, the word will become flesh in our lives. And, Father, God, we ask you, God, for everything in the supernatural, God, to manifest in the natural, God, in our lives. God, that that your kingdom come, your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven, God. Everything that you have for us, God, in the supernatural, God, Link it, God, manifest it, connect it, God, into our lives in the natural, God. And we're going to give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Look at two people around you and say, break the limitation. Just go ahead and break the limitation. We begin to see here that in Isaiah, that as he begins to write here, that Isaiah is beginning to write a prophetic word uh, into the future over top of Israel. Anytime you read in Isaiah, Ezekiel, Revelation, there is always a place of the prophetic working, just like we're going to get into a series here in the next few weeks about the end times that John wrote uh, many years ago in, in the Isle of Patmos. He began to see into the future and he began to prophesy of things to come. And so here in the next few weeks, we're going to get into the end times and what God is about to do and what is happening in our lives. But like Bishop says, that they, just like the end of the book says, we're all already victorious and we've already won. Amen. Because how many of the prophetic is speaking the good thing over top of our life? Come on now. The Bible says, he says, I knew you in your mother's womb. And he says there, he said, I have the plans for you. He said, they're an expected end, a place of peace, not of destruction. Because how many know what God has for you when he speaks in the prophetic, it is a great thing over top of your life. And we begin to see here that Isaiah was simply writing and prophesying over top of Israel because what Israel was going through. They were going through the captivity of the Babylonians on top of their life. And instead of accepting what was going on with Israel at the time and accepting uh, the captivity and the capture and the bondage and the chains that they had been locked up into, Isaiah began to speak and write and say, you know what? I know what's going on in the natural, but I see what's going on in the supernatural. I see what's going on in the natural, but I also hear an abundance of rain in the prophetic of what's going to come over top of Israel. And so instead of just dealing with the situation and just and instead of just claiming it, he began to write out a vision of the prophetic over top of their life. And I want to encourage you that no matter what you're going through in this season, no matter what you're going through in your life, I don't want you to accept the things that the enemy has thrown your way, but I want you to get into a secret place and say, God, what is it that you have for my life? And when you begin to hear that voice, begin to prophesy over top of yourself. Begin to write a plan, a vision, a goal, and say, God, I know what I'm going through. I know what I've went through, but God, I know what God says about my life. I know what God says not only about 
my life, but about my family's life. I know what he said about my business. I know what he said about my generations to come. That I don't accept what I'm going through, but I prophesy to myself what is going to happen. And why is it important? Because, yes, there are prophetic voices that speak into the land. There are people with the prophetic gift on their life. But the Bible says that all of us have the gift of prophecy within us. Come on now. And what is the spirit of prophecy? It is simply saying, God, this is what you say over top of my life rather than what I'm going through. That's all it is, is hearing the voice of the Lord from the supernatural and applying it to the natural. And this is what we begin to see there, that Isaiah was simply beginning to write. He was prophesying over top of his nation. Come on now. Having a one of us, two of us, three of us, a church, a region needs to stand up and begin to prophesy over top of our nation again. Come on now. Uh, that we may be have locked up into the captivity of the enemy, but we don't accept what's going on in the world and in our region, but we prophesy to it and say we are a nation that stands on God's principles. We are a nation that was founded on him and we're going to go back to the beginning and begin to prophesy into our future and say God we're already won in the end we're already walking victorious so God here is what it is come on now so we begin to see there that also beyond, beyond just prophesying, that you begin to see that there is a symbolic typology because everything in the Old Testament is, an, is, an, is a shadow of Christ to come. And so he begins to speak here of a soon coming husband that was going to take care of this barren woman. He speaks there and says, many are the children of the desolate because at this time uh, the Messiah had not yet came. When Isaiah was writing this, Jesus, the Son of God, had not yet came. So he was speaking into the future of the Messiah that was going to come. And he says when she begins to come, when, when Jesus begins to step onto this earth, it's going to create uh, not just a seed, but a seed of reproduction. Come on now. A seed to reproduce. And have you know when Jesus came, he not only did he come for himself uh, as the Son of God, but he came for each one of us in this room. He came for all that would fall short to come on to him through the cross and repent of our sins and go on and be into heaven. But we begin to see that one seed we produce into the family of the body of Christ. The desolate nation of, of, of the God's people Israel that when God began to step onto this earth in the form of a man through the seed out of Mary that you begin to see that he reproduced into something greater. Come on now. One person, one person shifted, connected, and everything that they had been praying for and seeking for over top of a promise, one man changed their destinies. Come on now. I want to encourage you that whatever it is you've been praying for, that God is going to bring that one person into your life that is going to change your destiny. You've been worrying about it. You've been frustrated with it. But when God finally supernaturally connects you with the seed that he has sent, you watch and see that everything that's been desolate is going to reproduce into something greater. That every dream that's been stifled, every vision that has been stopped, that when God sends
begins at one connection, it's going to change your world. Everything you've been praying for for years, that's been going on for decades, and that you've been hoping for for a whole generation, that when God connects you to that one person, it's going to happen within a moment of time. Come on now. The Bible says that a hundred years is, is a day unto God. So everything you've been praying for, for all of that time, God is going to connect you with that one person for your business. He's going to connect you to that one person for your family. He's going to connect you for that one person for your education. And watch and see if God don't turn around the situation. In the end, we're going to give him all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. I dare you to go ahead and praise him right there. With all that said, because I couldn't lay all that without a foundation. We have to understand that he was prophetically speaking. We have to understand that he was symbolically speaking of the Messiah to come. But literal sense, uh, without all of that said, without the prophetic, without uh, without the, the symbology, the shadow of Christ to come, in the literal sense there, he begins to tell a barren woman. Let's just bring it from the Messiah down to this barren woman. This He says, oh, sing ye, O barren woman, and Lift up your voice out of your cries and begin to sing unto God. In verse 2 there, he says, go past worship and begin to prepare. He says, I want you to begin to enlarge yourself. He says, strengthen your stakes. Begin to strengthen in the cords. He says, strengthen, prepare. I want you to prepare for something that is to come. Because why does he bring us from worship to preparation? Uh, it's always a natural habit, a principle within God. He will always bring you into worship, then into preparation. Because after worship and preparation, in verse 3 there, he begins to say to her, he says, everything that's on your right hand and on your left hand is going to spring forth. He says, it's going to spring forth because of the seed. Because of the seed that is within you is going to multiply and become great and take over the Gentile nation. Okay, maybe you're missing that. He says, number one, I want you to worship, get your barren. There is nothing reproducing within you. There is nothing that is happening in your life. Number two, I want you to prepare for something you don't see. But number three, he says there is a seed that is going to reproduce to make something greater. I don't know about you, in my natural mind, that doesn't make any sense. Because he says, worship for nothing, prepare for something you don't see. He says, but your seed. Okay. Worship for nothing. Prepare for something you don't see. But because of the seed, somebody shout seed. It is the seed that is going to propel you and spring forth on your right hand and enlarge on your left hand. Okay. You're barren, but yet there's seed. Uh, anytime in the natural we begin to speak of this, let's just say a woman is barren and her womb is not producing. That means that the seed is not in there. The seed has not connected to the egg of the womb. In the natural, the seed in, in a bird, in a, in a frog, in a flower, the seed is not existent and has not connected to, the, the, the seed is not connected to the thing to make it reproduce. Yeah. 
But yet he says there, there is a seed even in a barren state. Okay, in the natural, the seed has to connect and be existent for it to reproduce to make something. But within God, he says, even in a barren state, there is a seed that is going to make something happen. In Isaiah chapter 54, one verse later, he says, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. My ways are not like your ways. He says, all I need is a seed. Somebody shout seed. All I need is a seed. When you begin to study anything about science, uh, there's a thing called seed dormancy. Seed dormancy. That means that something has been sitting there for a while and is not reproducing. Uh, it says at the seedling stage, most of the plant's features are poorly established. The roots are small, scant, have limited access to water. The leaves are small, limited their ability to capture light. Protective structures, compounds are often missing or minimal in the process of seedling growth limits the plant's resources. Meaning there is a seed laying there, but it's not reproducing. And there is a dormancy over top of the seed that God said, if you begin to worship and prepare, it is the seed that is going to grow and begin to establish a thing in our life. What are the seeds that are within us? There are seeds. The Bible speaks of that that is the faith of a mustard seed shall grow into a great thing. Our seed is faith. Also our seed, it says that he sent the spirit, the Holy Spirit seed into Mary to make Jesus. So it is the spirit of Jesus that is reproduced within us to enlarge and grow us into something great. Okay, uh, so number three, our seed is also our money. Uh, that when we release it, Bishop says it all the time, that, our, our, that money may leave, that it may leave our hands, but it'll never leave our life. Because we are planning into something greater. Seeds, uh, you have to understand, if you take one uh, apple, within it there are seeds. The seeds in itself, when you begin to plant them into the ground, one apple, one seed uh, that is within the apple can make a whole orchard. So many times we get hung up wanting just the apple. Wanting just the house. Wanting just the car. Wanting something for our family. Wanting something for our business. Wanting something for our children. But God said don't focus on the apple, but focus on the seed of the apple. Because if you grab the one, all you have is the one. Uh, But if you take the seed and plant it, Somebody say planet. If you take the seed and planet, he says what will we produce out of that is thousands of the one. Come on now. We focus so much on wanting the one when God said focus on the harvest, my good God. Thank God for the one, but how do you know if you hook to the right one, my good God, God will take the right one, not just the one, but the right one, and begin to produce.
produce a harvest in the natural. That everything that you need is within the seed itself. What is the seed? The Bible says that greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. Every one of us have seeds of greatness locked up inside of you. That's why the that's why the enemy's been fighting your seed so much. What did I just say is your seed? It's your children. It's your money. It's your faith. That's why he's not fighting. He's fighting your seed. That's why he's not fighting you. He's fighting your children. My good God. He's fighting your children because he knows if he fights your children, he knows that's your weakness because I can stand and you can fight me and I can fight back at you. But if you fight my children, my good God, it's a part of me. It's a seed within me. And I can't handle if you fight my children. Fight me, devil. Uh, he's fighting your money. I don't know about you. Is anybody? Is the enemy fighting their money? Come on now. Funny's money. I mean, the money's funny and the credit just don't exist. Come on now. I mean, he's just fighting it. It seems like the more you get, the less you got. The more you get, the less you got, it seems like. Because if you don't focus on the seed of the thing, come on now. If you don't focus on the seed of the money and do right with the seed of the money, the Bible says bring you first the first fruits into the storehouse. That's why he fights you. Have you ever noticed you get more bills on Saturday than you do after the week? Why? Because he's fighting your seed. And if you ever protect the seed and protect your home. Watch and see if God don't begin to pour out a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive. Number three, though, we see that the seed is hooked to faith. The seed of the mustard seed is hooked to faith. How many know he ain't fighting your home, he's fighting your faith? He's not fighting your car, he's fighting your faith. He ain't fighting your job, he's fighting your faith. Because Paul said it like this. He said, I have fought the good fighter faith. I'm not fighting my car. I'm not fighting my relationships. I'm not fighting my wife or my husband, but I am fighting for your faith. Come on now. The Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers that are bigger than us. Come on now. And so what happens is he's fighting for our faith because he wants the seed never to develop into something greater. The biggest enemy uh, against greatness is always good. The biggest enemy of greatness is good enough. I'm going to say that again to you. The biggest enemy of greatness is always just good enough. But how many of the Bible says greater is he? Uh, He couldn't even use bad language and bad English because he couldn't even say gooder is he that is within me. But some of us, because we want to walk in a curse and walk in dysfunction, we say, gooder is he that is within me. Uh, We say it all the time, it's all good. But how many know I want to go from all good to it's all great, baby? The greater is he that is within me. That if he says, I can be the head and not the tail, I want to be the head. That if I can be the lender and not the borrower, I don't know about you, I'm tired of borrowing money. But I want people to be able to borrow money from me. Even if you can't ever give it back, I just... 
just want to be in such a blessed state that I release it and let it go. Because the Bible says greatness is locked up inside of my seed. One thing that we have to realize about the enemy is, is that if he can't kill the seed, if he can't kill it. Remember whenever he went to Job, uh, over Job to God, he says he had to get permission to fight Job. He had to get permission to fight Job. He had to get permission. And have you know the enemy has to get permission to fight you. If you're blood-bought, saved, washing the blood of the lamb, let me tell you something. He has to get permission to fight you. He has to get permission to fight you. And the Bible says in John 10, 10, that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He comes to want to kill the seed, to destroy the seed, to steal away the seed. When Jesus began to tell the parable about the seed, he says when it's released into the air, he said the birds of the air come and pluck up the seed. Because he wants to kill the seed within you. Have you ever got a message on Sunday that just stirred inside you? I'm talking about it made you feel like you could jump over walls and run through troops. And you said, devil, when I get home, my family's not running like this again. My job is not going to run like this. Even my car is going to act right. Come on now. You've even went home and laid hands on your car and said, devil, you're going to come out of this thing. Come on now. My car has been backslidden a few times. Come on now. But you even go home and you get a seed of greatness within you. But by, but by the time you get to the parking lot, somebody's done sold the seed out of your life. Come on now. You're frustrated by the time you get out of the parking lot. And most of the time, it's somebody that's close to you. It's somebody, a kid acting crazy in the back. And you done forgot what you vowed to God. And all of a sudden, it's stolen the seed away from you. So what happens is the enemy knows that I can't kill, steal, and destroy it. But what I can do is put limitations on it. I can put limitations on the seed. I can put limitations on the seed. I can build a wall around it and say, you won't go this far. I put a fence around it and say, you won't go this much. You only get this educated. You'll only be this happy. Your business will only grow this much. Come on now. You'll only go this far. How many know family has to build one upon each other? I don't know about you. Thank God for what my parents did, but thank God they established something in me to where I could go farther than where they went. Farther in my faith, farther in my relationship with Christ, farther with my family, farther with finances, farther that, that you know what, things within them. And you know what, instead of limiting and, and destroying the seed, we need to let that thing build one upon each other and keep growing and keep growing that we may establish the kingdom, not in this region, but around the world. Come on now. But what the enemy will do is he'll begin to come in and put limitations on the seed in itself. The limit, the limitation, the word limit means something that abounds, something that restrains, something that confines. The verb word means action. I won't bring you back to English, but it means something in action. How many of the devil is always at work in our lives? It says something that, that to prevent or stop an increase in. Tell me if this ain't hitting your life. To keep from becoming greater, to prevent from being larger, longer, or more, to place a limit on the size or the extent of, to stop from having or doing more, to place a limit on. Don't that sound like the enemy? 
He says, I don't care if you get saved. I don't care if you come in and sit on a pew. I don't care if you can get that far. He says, but I never want you to recognize the greatness that is within you. I never want you to grow into what you really could be. So the enemy's biggest attack is, is for us to get into a state of dormancy. To where the seed just sets within us. The seed just does nothing. It does nothing but, sh- but just sit there. It does nothing to grow. It does nothing to sprout. It's not being watered. We're just dormant. That's why life groups are important. That's why connects groups are good. That's why serving is important. Because it stretches the seed within us. That we say, God, I want to accept, accept the dormancy of the seed that is within me. In Australia, there's a seed that it says that when it, when it falls in the spring, uh, it, it, it doesn't grow because it doesn't get to the ground. When it gets in the summertime, uh, it doesn't grow because it's too hot. But when it finally gets in the fall time, it becomes cool enough that the ground begins to open up and it allows the seed to begin to go into its proper place and for the condition to begin to grow it. There was, an, there was a scientist that said about 120 years ago, he took, uh, he took a, a set of seeds and he put them in a time capsule just to see the seed dormancy that is within the seed itself. And what he did was every five years, he opened up the capsule. And he began to see the, 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 the dormancy level within the seed itself. And every five years, he would pull out certain seeds and would plant them in the ground. And he would find that even after five years, the seed would grow. A seed that had been sitting for five years all of a sudden began to grow. So he said, if it works at five years, let me pull out something at ten years. So he extended the time capsule to 10 years. And after 10 years, he would take seeds out. He would plant them in the ground. He would water them. He would nurture them. And all of a sudden, the seeds would begin to grow. Uh, uh, a few years ago, about t- 10 years ago, uh, after even after the scientist's death, they opened up the time capsule. Some seeds that had been in there for 90 years, they opened it up, took the seeds out, placed it in the ground, water, watered it, nursed it. The seed began to grow. The seed had been sitting there for 90 years, but still in the right atmosphere, in the right condition. The thing began to grow within it. You're not hearing what I'm saying to you. Because this is the biggest enemy's fight. If he can't put limitations on you, he'll put limitations on your atmosphere. If he can't put limitations, if you can break out of your past and break out the, over the words of your past, he says, he says now I, they've came out of their fence, they've come out of their limitation, but now what I'll do is I'll put limitations on their atmosphere because I know if they ever get in the right atmosphere, my good God, if they ever get in the right atmosphere, in the right condition, it may be a seed that has been sitting dormant for years, that seed will begin to grow. I want to encourage you, mama. I want to encourage you, daddy, that the seeds you place in your children, I don't want you to pray just for their salvation, but pray they get in the right atmosphere, that God gets them around the right people, that every seed you prayed for will begin to come to germination. It will come to full fruition. I don't care how old they are. I don't care what they've got to 
themselves into if they get in the right atmosphere the seed that was placed within them the Bible says sons and daughters will come back into the kingdom you're looking at a living testimony standing before you that when I got around the right people and you know what let me give you a little bit more of me that all of a sudden I remember one time I was standing in a bar I mean just just drunk. I mean, I'm talking about just sloppy drunk. I'm talking about just ridiculous. But all of a sudden, right in the middle of the bar, I mean, I could just tell that something wasn't right. It was like I wasn't even there anymore. I wasn't even, like, I wasn't even enjoying it any longer. But all of a sudden, up on the screen of this bar, it switched from something that was on the TV to Crefo Dollar, Pastor Crefo Dollar preaching. That God, and it knew enough to grab me, to get my attention. And you're talking about a drunk person and sobering up real quick because even in the midst of sin God created an atmosphere my good God and I don't know if anybody else saw it but I sure saw it and it grabbed my attention and I said I've got to go home the atmosphere the atmosphere the atmosphere is what's important but I don't just want to speak to salvation seeds, but there are some seeds that's been setting within you that has been dormant for way too long. Seeds of greatness, seeds of power, seeds of anointing that has been setting in you a word, a prophetic word, a prophecy that has been spoken time. And I don't know about you, every time I get in prayer lines, especially around somebody that I don't know, they're the very, the very first person that wants to come to is me. Have you ever felt like that? And they say the same thing that the last five people said. And I'm to the point where I said, God, I don't want to just hear the word any longer. But God, let me get in the right atmosphere that this thing sprouts out on my right hand. And it sprouts out on my left hand. And I don't know about you, Tabernacle of Praise, but we've had enough word spoken over top of this place. Not only from our own bishop, but from people that has came and stood in this pulpit that has spoken seeds of greatness over top of this region through this church. I don't know about you, it is time the limitations begin to fall off. My good God, and it's time out for people leaving. It's time out for people complaining. It's time out for the negativity of atmosphere. But it is time for the greatness of this church to begin to come about. That God begins to draw in the laborers. God begins to draw in the ones that are going to work. And God begins to have people with the hardest serving. My good God, and it Somebody give him praise in this place. The enemy's been fighting your worship. The enemy knows that if you ever begin to worship right, it is your worship that is going to set an atmosphere. It is the atmosphere of the thing that's going to happen within you. Can I tell you something? You can sit there and get seed and seed and seed and seed. But until you create an atmosphere that says, God, do something with this seed within me. God, enlarge this thing within me. Grow this thing within me. Empower this thing that is within me. I'm reminded of a woman named Hannah that was sitting there barren. My good God. She was sitting there barren and, and she wanted a baby within her. She wanted the very thing that God had
had promised her. And she got so sick and tired of being okay with just an un, 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 ungiven promise. And I don't know about you. You should get so sick that, God, I want this promise to happen. That, God, no matter what I got to do, God, I will create an atmosphere that something will begin to happen. She got discontent with being content. My good God. And she said, God, if you will give this thing to me, if you will give this baby to me, God, God, I will begin to worship. It said that she worshiped so much that she began to come drunk with her worship. She became drunk with her worship. And why is that important? Because uh, the word drunken in itself, uh, to drink, to get something in you to become intoxicated, means that you have stepped outside of your senses. You have stepped outside of your senses. And I want to stop right here because in the body of Christ, what's happening is we are going and, and grabbing things that are numbing our senses rather than, uh, rather than grabbing a new wine. And allowing our senses not to be numbed because we refuse to worship. Come on now. You know what? Maybe, you're out, maybe your issue is an alcohol. But I went through a phase that, you know what, if I can just go on enough vacations, it'll make me feel like my life really ain't my own life. If I can sit on the beaches of Florida, if I can sit in the Caribbean, if I can, I mean, I mean it will make me forget every kid I got at home. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm imagining the beaches right now. (laughs) And it may not even be something that you consider sin. But what happens is you'll go to a W game and you'll scream and shout. And I'm not talking about that type of worship. But it numbs you from your experience. If I can just get around my friends, it'll numb me from what I'm going through. It'll numb me from what I'm going through. It'll numb what I'm feeling. It'll numb because how you know every one of us has seeds of greatness locked up inside of you. And until those seeds come out of you, you will always stay frustrated. You want to know what your frustration's about lately? You want to know what your sadness is about lately? You want to know the things that you're going through is lately? Because there is greatness locked up inside of you. And until the greatness of that word comes out of you, you're never going to be right with God. So what happens is, let me go away from my senses and find something that makes me feel better. That just makes me feel better. But Hannah said, I don't want something that's just going to be temporary. But I want to worship That it makes me drunken in the Holy Spirit. That it steps me outside of my natural senses into a supernatural state. Come on now. That God will begin to allow an atmosphere that God can begin to cultivate. Number two, it says it was preparation. She said there, God, if you give me this baby, I'll give it back to you. (laughs) When you give me this baby, I'll give it back to you. I'll enlarge my place. What are you preparing for to happen? 
This whole year, we've been preparing for 500. We've been looking for 500. We've been expanding and enlarging every area, the children's ministry, the youth ministry, the, the front greeters. And now we're stepping into October 19th and going into two services. We are preparing, enlarging ourselves, even though it's not in the natural. We are preparing in the supernatural for great things to begin to happen. And so it be in the house of God, so it be in your own home. What are you preparing for? What are you enlarging for? What are you looking for things to come? Are you looking to go to the next level? Here in this month of October, it is the year, it is the month of harvest. It is the month of harvest. And even in the natural, it is the month of ten. In the natural, ten means another level. So I don't know about you, here in this month, not only is this church going to go to another level, not only is harvest going to come in. But what is it about your life? What is it about your family? What is it about your business that's going to take you to the next level? It is through your seed. It is through your worship. It is through your praise. It is through taking the word and saying, God, plant these things within me and let it spread out on my left hand. Let it spread out on my right hand. That God and the glory in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Stand with me this morning as we begin to close. Breaking the limitations. Breaking the limitations. You know what, maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, you know what, preacher, I, my whole life I have felt confined. I felt isolated. One of the worst things the enemy can do is isolate anybody. I don't care if it's, if it's out of your family, push you away from your family, push you away from the church. But more importantly, he'll make you feel alone in your life. He'll make you feel like you're living life alone. But having you know you're not living life alone, Jesus said, I'll send another one that's a comforter. You're, sin, you're living life alone. But I want to speak to you this morning. That you felt like there have been limitations on your life. That you have fault and fault and fault, but they're not breaking. That they're not being broken down. And it feels like the more you fight, the more walls keep coming up. But what I want to encourage you, you don't have to do life alone. Number one, you need to get hooked into Jesus. And if you're in this place this morning and you don't know Jesus, number one, beyond a new house, beyond a new car, you, get to, you need to know Jesus. Because he said, you don't have to do life alone, but I'll send my spirit to dwell within you, to comfort you and give you peace. There's people in here that this morning, you know what? You've been running and there's no peace within you. You need to get hooked back into the Holy Spirit. And number three, let me tell you something. There's going to be limitations broke over top of your life. Limitations. You've been living for God. You've been serving him. You've been praying. You've been seeking. But nothing's happening. You're pushing, but everything's pushing against you. But can I tell you something? You're in the right ministry. Just over the last year and a half of our life, we have seen God shift and turn around situations because we're hooked to this ministry. Hooked to this ministry because of the blessings that flow on this church now flows in my home. Come on now. Doors that I can't open for myself, God's beginning to open. 
financial miracles that I've needed over and over because we confess every week and because we take our seed and we throw it into the ground of the ministry. Let me tell you something. God has provided and taken care of us over and over and over again. You want your life to change? Break the limitations by getting connected to this house. I mean, I'm talking about get connected in such a way to where, you know what, you're bugging people. How can I do more? 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 How can I do How can I serve more? How can I give more? Because if I get hooked to this house, if I take the seed of what's inside of me and I plant it in the soil of this ministry, you watch and see if God don't begin to go. But this morning... I want to tell you something that we're going to break the yoke of limitation off the top of your life. This Friday, I preached the same message in St. Albans, and I, I, I never preached messages twice. But that very night, my little girl had a seizure, and she hadn't had a seizure in five months. And I said, Devil, if you're so mad at me because things were broken in that place, that you're mad at that message, I'm going to preach it again and tell you you're a liar. So not only is this order for you, it's for me. Because I stand and say, devil, there is no more limitations on my family's life anymore. Everything that you say we can have, God, you're going to give it to us. Jamie, let's sing something, and then we're going to do an altar call.